your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Leon ducking the smoke. What's up, everybody? This is EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer coming at you now. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast in Odyssey. WFA, an original podcast you can get, of course, wherever you get your podcast with the free Odyssey app. Tommy, we got a lot to talk about on today's show. We will be talking about Leon Rose. Still has not talked to the media since the offseason started. In fact, he has not talked to the media in almost two years now. And there was a request from The Athletic to do an interview. He rejected that as well. So, you know, we've kind of avoided that this subject because I think we wanted to really make this a basketball a podcast, but given it's the off season and given it came up again, I think this is actually probably the best time to kind of break down where 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 we stand on the Knicks media or lack thereof uh, policy moving forward with Leon Rose once again uh, rejecting to talk about the media, talk to the media despite uh, the off season moves they've made. Also, speaking of off season moves, what's going on with Tom Thibodeau? It's uh, the one question I wish we could have asked Ian Bagley on the show, but good news for us Knicks fans, he actually answered it on his own platform, SNY. Uh, in terms of what's the deal with a t- potential extension, we'll talk about that. And staying in the Atlantic Division, you got a rival making a major move. Jalen Brown, now the highest played player in NBA history. What does that mean for the Celtics? How do the Knicks match up with the Celtics moving forward, knowing that Brown is going to be part of the fold? So we got plenty to get to on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. So make sure you keep it locked right here after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So like I said, Tommy Beer joins me as always. And Tommy, I, I'm doing a little bit of an audible, but my girlfriend would be upset if I didn't pull this audible because I, I showed her the picture yesterday. She said, you have to talk about this on the podcast. I saw the Beer family has a new addition. So I want to say congrats. Uh, you got a new dog in the family. And you know my, my girlfriend's a, a dog lover as well. We got our dog Lita in November. So she wanted to make sure that I, I made note of that and give you the, the proper congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. I would have brought up um, our little Maisel. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and my my daughter wanted to call her Hazel. My wife wanted to call her Maisie. So Maisel was the compromise. And uh, yes, beautiful silver lab. Um, and uh, yeah, we're doing the house training thing right now. So uh, wish us luck. In, in addition to congratulations, we're trying to... <laughs> clean up after a little bit here and there but uh yes it's uh made for an eventful week that's for sure um but uh for as a as a fellow dog lover it's uh all the down stuff and all the negative stuff you have to put up with is worth the years and years of love so uh yeah good good week absolutely and now i have an alibi someone questions that there was a dog in the background and people usually trying to blame me for that now i can say hey it wasn't me this time maybe it was tommy you don't actually know so um, so thank you for that alibi moving forward on this podcast. I won't be taking the brunt of the audio issues that may come because of a dog getting a little too loud or a little too involved in the show than we would like. But anyway, again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, and Odyssey WFN original. Once again, it's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We drop twice a week during the off season. So this will be our last episode for this week. We'll have more episodes next week of course you can check us out on youtube as well you can find our full episodes and clips of our shows on the wfan channel i mentioned earlier we had of course the interview with tommy beer which has gotten a little bit of attention so shout out to the nick fans that have showed love for for that interview um if you want to watch that interview i know a lot of you've heard it but if you want to watch the, the video that again is on the wfan channel as of uh wednesday night we are recording this podcast thursday afternoon so it's up there so if you want to watch after you already listen make sure you listen first that helps us out make sure you listen first but after you listen uh make sure you uh watch it as well again you can find that on the wfan youtube channel but let's begin with leon rose so we mentioned during our last episode that the knicks had a pretty busy week i mean they waved wayne washington they waved former second round pick trevor keels um they, they did these moves to make way for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers former first round pick from 2019, Dylan Wendler, who now joins the Knicks on a two way deal uh, for for one year uh, on the contract. We also had noticeable moves, obviously, in the offseason. Um, we had the signing of Dante DiVincenzo. We had the departure of Obi Toppin. But regardless of all that, don't expect to hear from Leon Rose anytime soon. Fred Katz of The Athletic tweeted Wednesday that the Knicks had officially declined a request to speak on the record for an interview. Uh, Katz noted that. Leon has not spoken on the record to independent media in almost two years and has not done a solo news conference since joining the Knicks in 2020. So I think this is a, the perfect opportunity to kind of really have a, a great conversation. And Tommy's a great person to have it with being a member of the media whose credential goes to Knicks games, talks to these people, talks to a lot of these other beat writers who are on the beat. So I'm very curious what that side of it is, because I think there is a disconnect. Because you have fans who a lot of them say, we don't care. It's not a big deal. But then you have these media members trying to do their job who say, hey, you know, one, we provide value. We provide information that helps the fans understand what's going on. And that is really basically a dereliction of duty 
from the Knicks front office to not speak to the media and especially the president of all people to duck the media for, you know, going on two years, uh, almost three years since you had a actual news conference. In your eyes, do you think it's a big deal that Leon Rose did not speak to the media? Huh. A big deal is probably a, um, I don't know if I'd go that quite, quite that far. I, I will start by saying I understand both ends of the spectrum. I understand um, one, as, as you mentioned, the credential media member, um, especially in years past when it's, it's evolved a little bit. I mean, the, the journalism game, we could spend three episodes on that in and of right. itself. It's so different uh, from the time of print media and pre-Twitter um, and, and all that stuff when, you know, the, the way fans consumed basketball was, was far different. Now there's so many different ways um, educated fans, should they choose to find intelligent discourse um, about the right. team they follow, about the sport they follow via podcasts via you know websites dedicated specifically to their team or to the league or right. to sports or to the intersection of sports and economics everything that's out there the beauty of the internet um you know provides all that stuff um uh, that being said so there's it's not as important as it once was for beat writers to get quotes on the record from the person in charge um that being said there's no reason for the Knicks media to continue such an antagonistic, petty policy to prevent media from essentially doing their jobs. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that kind of built up over years and years when the Knicks were awful and, yeah. they, and, and Knicks beat writers correctly assessed their situation as dire because, and, and, and the Knicks and, and, and characterized the Knicks as awful because they were well awful. Um, yeah. And, and that really, they built up some animosity. So you combine that, the Knicks losing for decades and kind of being a, a laughing stock with a, a decision maker at the very top who, as we know, has very thin skin. Mm -hmm. um, love him or hate him uh, as an owner, not afraid to spend. A lot of, lot of pros, uh, you know, from, from Rangers and Knicks fans when you talk about, um, you know, uh, the, the, his stewardship of these two franchises. Also a lot of negatives, certainly trending in the right direction as he kind of takes more hands-off approach, um, kind of sticks to his word. Um, but clearly that's a top-down policy um, that prevents the the media from interacting with, um, you know, front office and, and players as much as you like. And really the, the people who are hurt, even though they don't see it as such, um, some fans do, some fans don't, but it is the fan base because the more knowledge yeah. and more, you know, uh, access you have, um, you know, it, the, the more likely, you know, you are to find out the true person behind the player you know like they're you know in years past we would have had in-depth interviews about iq and him growing up and faith is obviously a big part of his life um yeah. you know you know he signs off uh, every interview with you know glory to god first and quinn grimes you know just there's you know talking about going from kentucky to houston and then there's just a lot there that uh, that we just don't have um access to and i think it would enhance the fan experience again Without it, you can still be a great fan. You can still enjoy it in much the same ways you could in years past. But I do think um, that it hinders the the connection between fans and players, coaches, front office stuff. And and I don't I don't see that as a positive. That being said, I don't see it as a massive negative um, that's going to bring down the franchise, as as some would like to argue. Um, so I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's so tricky, especially sitting in this chair, because I come from a perspective that is almost purely fan. I mean, I, I work as a radio host or you know, radio producer, 
now obviously podcast host, but you know, before that, essentially fan. So I think the fan perspective, because I think what I've seen is this disconnect from media members saying, why do the fans almost sometimes cheerlead this yes. policy that the yes. Knicks have? And I think it still stems from an issue that was the Knicks' fault, but I think it stems from what I, I feel like was a lack of substance from some, I cannot say all, from some people that covered the Knicks regularly that seemed almost hell-bent on only highlighting the circus and not the play. And one thing I've said about, I think not just Knicks media, but sports media in general, I think is lost and why there is such a disconnect between fans and sports media members and people who cover the NBA particularly, is I think sometimes we've lost sight of the fact that fans want to learn things. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes we, we think that because we, everybody has a Twitter account, everybody has a YouTube channel, everybody has a blog or a podcast, that all we want is opinion, 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 opinion. And all we want is controversy, controversy, controversy. Like, there are also a lot of people who want to learn about the game, learn about their team, what makes their team strong, what makes their team weak. And I think because the Knicks were so dysfunctional for so long, I think the media got comfortable and the people that covered this team got comfortable covering it from only that perspective. And when the narrative and the obvious work the Knicks were doing was changing from that perspective, I didn't think there was any adjustment. I think it took it's, it's been slow to adjustment. I think that the media and the Knicks crew that's covering currently covering the team right now does a really good job. I think they've actually improved massively over the last three, four, five years. But I think sometimes you've seen that lag nationally when you see how the Knicks get covered, the people that talk about them, how they talk about them. Like, they still don't get So that's where the cheerleading comes from. It, it stems from a Knicks problem because the Knicks had – 20 years of dysfunction that allowed that to kind of be the, you know, the status quo. But, you know, it comes a situation where it's like, you know, you got to, you know, you're an old dog, you got to learn new tricks at some point. And I think the fans clamor for that. I think we're in a different point now. And as thin skinned as Dolan is, I think he has to understand that what you see on the national media isn't necessarily what's happening with these individual beat writers who are covering the team, who do a great job. You can list them all. Obviously, Bagley was on there. I just mentioned Cats run them all they all do a fine job like there's no reason what excuse me why you can't have your president sit down for five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes and talk about the team you know like it, it just seems like it's so it, it, it's it's just it's so extreme and i think in many ways it almost invites this contentious attitude that the media then has towards the team that doesn't actually end up equating into anything and to me the knicks may feel like they're winning in the end because they're winning games and for the most part pans fans are content but i almost feel like it paints you in the corner where like you almost can't win this battle until you win a championship which we know is, is very difficult in the nba the knicks aren't necessarily in this position where oh they're one of the two or three teams that are locked to win a championship so to continue this game it just feels like all right next year you have a down year you know, we just saw what happened in 2022 when we thought Nick can have a great year. Like, you have another down year, and then now we're calling for Tibbs' head again. We're calling for Leon Rose's head again. I mean, do you really think you can go all this time without having anybody talk? It doesn't seem to make much sense. I think that's the, a really good point is there's no real downside to having to trotting Leon Rose out into the, you know, in, in front of a few beat reporters. And and, the answer, and listen, he's an, an incredibly intelligent person and also just businessman and he understands the business of the NBA and that is to say a lot without saying anything you know right. you know Nick the beat reporters understand that there's very little likelihood he's going to say 
you know, I don't think IQ is that good. So we'll offer him a decent right. contract if he takes yeah. it. You know, like this, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, he's not going to bash Obi Toppin and say, you know, if Obi Toppin ever defended, then he'd play a lot. So don't ask, you know, that, right. that's, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, we loved Obi. Um, it's just a numbers game. It's just all these cliches. You throw them out there and, and, and there's just very little downside. There's very little reason to argue that to, to make the, uh, to 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 come up with some rationale that that have it make sense. In other words, um, and I my guess is Leon Rose would probably prefer to do just that. Um, to go you out think so? here. I think so. I mean, I, I kind of I lean the opposite way, but yeah, I want to know why you think so. I, I would just think because it's just it, it 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 takes away from the story. Maybe he wants to make it about himself to avoid the team, but it just takes away a story that people mm-hmm. can write nationally. Whereas you mentioned, you know. I think that they that Dolan enjoys the cat and mouse game. He enjoys the animosity. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I just think it's you know it's 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 one of those things. I listen, you guys bashed me for twenty years, and now we're good. So now you want to talk to us? Well, you know, ha 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 ha. You can't yep. you can't get what you want. You know that type of thing. Where again, it's the it's the it's the fit. And and another good point you made was. Yes, we can all come up with conjecture on why we think Obi Toppin didn't work out or, um, uh, you know, what they might do with uh, Emmanuel quickly, how they might handle the backup power forward position, um, all these other things, et cetera. Um, But I think we fans would benefit with an explanation. Now, they're not going to tell us we're looking at player X, Y and Z to bring in. They can't talk about other players, a free agent, other contract. But they could, you know, maybe give us some insight as to, you know, Julius Randle actually was hurt more than you guys might, you know, might might uh, imagine. He forced his way out. There. You know, just things that right. we, we aren't privy to. Um, and credit to Leon Rose for kind of keeping, um, you know, the 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 inner workings of the team pretty much a secret. You know, you don't hear a lot of stuff leaked about the Knicks. There was, you know, conflicting conjecture about what they were offering in the Donovan Mitchell trade, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are other organizations where as soon as it, you know, it leaks out immediately and it's happened with the Knicks in the past, they've, they've, they've done a good job of kind of sealing that up. Um, but again, the, the, the bigger picture is why not? Who does it hurt to have Leon Rose or, you know, if you, if you don't want to have Rose out there, have the uh, Rosas or, you know, Scott Perry, when he was around, just one of those guys out there, um, to go out, give a few cliches and then the story goes away and we don't have to waste our time discussing it. It's funny you talk about things leaking out. I think one of the worst examples of that in Knicks history was uh, Mike D'Antoni in the Knicks front office basically telling everybody that would listen that they wanted to take Steph Curry. <laughs> and, of course, he went one pick uh, before that. That did not uh, work out well for them. So it, Too soon. Too too soon, EJ. I know, I know right? And so what, 14 years later, 13 years later, whatever it's been, it still feels too soon. I mean, are the Knicks going to be able to keep getting away with this? Like, that's the thing that I keep thinking about as well because – I can't imagine Adam Silver likes this, though. I think we've seen Adam, Adam Silver is not cut from the David Stern cloth, so I don't know if he comes down with a hammer. Like, does this ever get fixed? Like, what's the deal with, like, you no. think it's just not? No, right. Until, until Dolan's gone, you know, until Dolan decides right. to sell a team, and which he, you know, it's a, it's a, literally a printing press it just makes money um which is the reason he is unlikely to sell it um you know what's the worst silver is going to do find you know dolan he'll find uh you know five hundred thousand dollars in his couch cushions um and, and cut a check to uh to silver that that next day um the one thing we know is you know uh, is is dolan's not going to um you know uh back down from a challenge or you know again he'll just take that he, he invites he invites fights a hundred percent and to be honest I think one of the reasons why Silver doesn't push it and and maybe the people around Dolan don't encourage him 
because every time he tends to speak, it backfires. You know, like oh, there's yeah. countless times when, you know, over the years, we went on Michael Kay's show a couple of times, said things. He, he's you know, on a, uh, you know, a Craig Garden and Evan Roberts show on WFAN last year, and that we didn't go as great as we would have hoped. Right, right. It just very rarely goes well. Let's just say that. Um, there was the thing with the, you know, uh, uh, video monitoring of lawyers. He went on, a, I don't know, it was ABC, Good Morning America, something like that. Um, he decided to hop on one morning and just set up a bunch of stuff. <laughs> he's going to ban alcohol on a Fox, <laughs> right, right, on exactly. Good Morning New York or whatever on Fox 5. It was crazy. Right, 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 right. Which, like, he's not going to accept the alcohol sales. So, yeah, it just, so I, I think that may be part of the reason where, obviously, you know, uh, unlike Rose and, 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 and Tibbs, when, they, you know, they know how to talk without saying anything, um, uh, Dolan has never mastered that, uh, that, that part of the business, that craft. My theory as to why I think Leon actually enjoys this is because I, I go back to his background as an agent. Like most agents that aren't, I guess, Drew Rosenhaus in football. I'm trying to think of other. I guess maybe maybe Rich Paul. Those are the only two I could think of that like want to be in front of the camera and want to talk into the press. I don't, it seems like that would be a negative. But to be fair, those guys are very successful, so it, it's worked well for them. But most agents like to work from the shadows. And I tend to think my, cons- I don't know if it's conspiracy, I don't go that far, but my theory is that when he signed on to be president of the Knicks, that Leon Rose said that this is not a part of the job that I want to do. I do not want to be someone who is a front-facing member of the Knicks that has to explain everything we do and 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 deal with the press every couple weeks or every month. Like That was something I don't want to do. I'll do this job, but that I don't want to do that. And I think maybe he demanded, or rather he, he said – Look, I can bring you stars. So, like, right, are you right. really gonna be upset that I don't talk to you know Fred Katz every couple of weeks? Like, you know, come right. on, I, I can get you Donovan Mitchell, I can get you Devin Booker. Like, yeah. let's do this. And Dolan was like, "Great, you don't want to talk to the media? You hate them too? Awesome. <laughs> that that makes you even a better candidate. Where 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 do we where do you sign? So, yeah. I, that that's my theory as to why uh, this has gone so long, particularly with the Knicks front office, because Tibbs talks all the time. Um, right. in well, terms of the, the regular media, regular regular media availability, but I think Leon, I don't think he wants to talk to the media. Yeah, the the coaching thing is part of the CBA. Listen, if it part it wasn't part of the collective bargaining agreement, and they, you know, that's something where mm. you, you you have to get, you know, you get fined, and then would, you know, you know, then you're talking about a million dollars a week, and you know that even even for a billionaire, right. yeah. that stuff adds up, um, and and that would be an issue. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, but yeah, if, if it was part of the, the collective bargaining agreement, you know, or, or, you know, stipulated in some bylaws uh, that they had to have, you know, professional representation once a month or once a week, or, you know, it probably would be, you know, unlikely for that to be the case. Um, but that might put some fire underneath Dolan. Um, but again, even if Rose didn't want to do it, I'm sure Scott Perry would have been happy. Maybe that upped his, you know, uh, profile around the league and increased the yeah. chance of him becoming a general manager, being in front of the New York media and, and all the others. So I think there was, you know, and, th- and there was plenty of times when, when we'd be in the locker room um, before games. And this was when, you know, pre-COVID kind of changed everything. Um, you know, it was just a lot freer environment. Um, and, I, and, and certain franchises – really took advantage of the constricted media policy and, and obviously the yeah. Knicks being friends. I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. Um, when the WNBA announced um, prior to this season that they were limiting the time that, that, that they would have players available. It used to be, you can go in locker room, 15 minutes available. Right. Now, now the team decided that they were going to choose the players. Um, and, and basically I tweeted that this is a, 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 a slippery slope. Um, I, I've seen it before, yada, yada, yada. 
um, a, a, a one of a, a league office member, let's just say that, um, uh, behind the scenes, the pretty high up in the WNBA league offices, contacted me, reached out to me directly, mm. and said, "Listen, you have a couple minutes. I just want to tell you where we're coming from from our perspective." And right. he very, you know, earnestly and I, I think forthrightly explained that it wasn't to reduce access; it was so that every because. The way it worked was they would put, you know, let's say Stewie and uh, Ionescu out, uh, you know, 10 minutes after the, the, the game ended. But if you yeah. wanted MJ or, uh, you know, uh, or uh, Junkwell Jones, Jones you'd, have to, yeah. you'd have to run to the locker room and maybe they left before you got back. And if you wanted to talk to the coach and Brandella, right. whatever the case might be. So the, his explanation was, we're going to give you, make sure that everyone has the same access to the same two, three star players, Brianna Stewart, yada, yada, yada. And then if you want to talk to anybody else, just let us know when we promise we'll, we'll bring them down. I said, that's all well and good. And I, and I think it's a well-intentioned uh, potential improvement, but I'm just going to let you know. He goes, well, what team do, do you cover primarily? You know, I said the Knicks and he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> I get it. so, you know, just because it's just well known throughout the league, you know, and um, I think it was Bondi. Or I forget somebody tweeted about the DiVincenzo. They're not going to have an introductory press conference right. with DiVincenzo. Um, and he said, you know, welcome to New York, the, the literally the polar opposite of Golden State. And anyone who's ever dealt with the Warriors are just beyond, um, you know, uh, welcoming and, and encouraging yeah. you to get one on ones with players and et cetera and all that other stuff. So, um, the, 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 again, the issue is you don't allow Leon Rose to talk. You, you slowly chip away at those those freedoms. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the old thing. How do you boil a frog in water? You don't just drop it into boiling water because it'll jump right out. You put it in, turn the degrees up a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Um, and they've started to chip away at all these other things. And again, the Leon Rose not giving us cliches for five minutes is not a big deal. But I again, back to, you know, circling back to my original point that the, the media, the next media policy decreases the likelihood of a well-intentioned writer, in other words, another a writer not looking right. to uh, bag on the Knicks, not coming in with a bias right. and, and, a, and a predetermined outcome that this guy's the worst. That you know, I, I all I want to do is get Tibbs on the record or get a player on the record saying that Tibbs isn't a good coach, and then I'll you know, yeah. again, a well-intentioned, well-meaning writer getting a one-on-one -on -one with uh, you know, uh, perfect example like QJ Peterson. Let's say he's in camp, right? Yeah. We would have had that type of story, and that's the type of stuff. Um, again, it doesn't, you know, make or break fandom. It's not, but it just, I think, in my opinion, increases, gives you a little more access, gives you a little bit more behind the curtain. Sometimes that's not always good. Um, but in general, my experience is NBA players are really, for the most part, kind, empathetic. They relatively humble. Listen, there are outliers. There are guys that, that, um, you know, are on the other, on other end of the spectrum, just like there are all, all, as, all aspects of life. Um, but I think yeah. a lot of these guys came from difficult situations to get to the NBA. You need luck. You need to overcome a million different things, no matter how physically talented you are for the most part. Um, they understand that. Um, and they're, they're welcoming with their time and they'd like to, you know, talk about other issues, you know, now, and the other thing, you know, we might as well be mentioned is that there's a distrust of the mainstream media. Um, well, that's, is that too? Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of been co-opted by a, a political party. So that, that, that leads to a, you know, I think there's an aspect of that, that kind of, um, you know, celebrates when that mainstream media, even though that's very difficult to define nowadays, my opinion, <laughs> yeah. um, 
when those folks somehow get taken down a peg and don't have access, that somehow that's a win for the common guy. Um, so, you know, again, as you mentioned, we could uh, have quite a conversation on this. We can go on this forever. And I, you know, if I had to do, if I could do another podcast, it would be a, you know, media discussion podcast. Like I love this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, my last thing on it would just be for the, the, the Nick beat writers who all work hard and they all do a great job. I think they've, they've improved in my opinion over the last four or five years or so. I think when we ask why do the fans, what can we get the, how can we get through the fan through to the fans that we should have more access? I mean, you got to make people want you to talk to these people. I mean, sometimes we watch these press conferences with Tom Thibodeau. I've come on here in this, (laughs) in this podcast and said, Tom Thibodeau pulled Obi Toppin in the fourth quarter and nobody asked him what the hell is going on. Randall, you know, throws the ball away and doesn't run back on even Nobody asked him what the hell was that? Did you show him that? And like nobody's asking Tibbs these questions. And I think what happens is we watch some of these press conferences and we're like, I mean, if that's what we're going to get from these press conferences, am I going to go crazy that, you know, these guys aren't talking to, 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 to Leon Rose or Worldwide West of them? So my my thing, and I'm not saying it's perfect because Nick shouldn't be doing this. Like I, I don't think that this is right. But my thing is, hey, make it worthwhile for the fans to actually want you to get access in order for this to maybe turn the tide, maybe get the fans on your side. I'll just say this in defense of the beat writers, um, having been in those press conferences, yeah. been in the auxiliary press room outside MSG, the media room. There, the Knicks, unlike a lot of other teams, will put a time limit on it. You know, whether it's seven minutes, eight minutes, they don't tell you how long that's going to be. They don't tell you how many questions they're going to take. If Tibbs is in a bad mood, they'll yank him early. Um, I remember when I was covering Isaiah Thomas's tenure there, and they tried to get him out of there quickly. Dan Tony was a little more free flowing. Larry Brown kind of did his own thing, and they let him kind of ramble on. Um, Jonathan Soprano, which was kind of running the team back then, um, the the media side. Um, yeah. So the 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 beat writers, there are certain, you know, core elements that they need to get asked and they'll assume they'll have time to ask it. Sometimes they get yanked before. And just one other thing kind of circling back that I think led to the tension was, you know, for five years, six years, two decades, you know, there, it wasn't important to ask questions about why did Alexei Sved not, uh, you know, why are there less dribble handoffs? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or, you know, there's just yeah. the, the games didn't matter for months and months at a time. So there wasn't that 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 it, it kind of eroded that relationship where you just ask, well, what are you going to do in the offseason? When are you know, is this guy going to get fired? You know, is this guy going to be free to those type of questions? Because nobody cared about a, a team that was 30 games under 500 with, uh, you know, in, in late April. Yeah, it, it's 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 like a chicken or egg discussion yes. that, yes. you know, won't get fixed. I agree. And unless James Olin has a sudden change of heart or he's somehow no longer the owner, which I wouldn't uh, bet on that at that point, at this point in time. So anyway, uh, moving forward here uh, again, special thanks to one of those uh, Knicks speed writers, SNY insider, Ian Bagley, who jumped on the show uh, earlier this week. And you can listen to that podcast. You also check us out on YouTube to watch that episode. Um, and one thing that I did not get to ask him that I told Tommy after the show that really bugged me was I was very interested in the status of the head coach. And Tom Thibodeau, he has two years left on his deal, which would mean, in theory, this would be a season where the Knicks would be looking to extend him. Now, here's what Bigley said in his mailbag for SNY, which, of course, you can go check out on SNY.TV. On the subject, he said, quote, I don't know where Thibodeau is on that, talking about his job security, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks at least looked into the topic and talked to Thibodeau's representation this year, assuming it goes well, about a potential 
uh, extension because you don't know you don't want your coach going to the final year of his deal. You don't want uncertainty surrounding him, assuming you are supporting that coach. I thought this word choice was very interesting. It was very much. I don't know what they're doing with that. The thought would be if you like him, you will have those conversations. But it wasn't a surefire thing that those conversations are actually happening. So I guess my question to start time is, are you surprised that the Knicks maybe aren't being that proactive with Tibbs extension? Yeah, I'm not shocked. I, I will say that. I'm, I'm sure they've had some upper office conversations about it. Um, you know, maybe they do before the start of the season. Um, however, I think there's probably a better chance that they do not. You know, again, he has two years left on his deal, so it's not one. Um, I think assuming the Knicks play well, make the playoffs, maybe a top six seed. Um, you know, at least, you know, make not just the play-in, but make the playoffs that, uh, you know, you know, assuming all other things equal, um, you know, there's no kind of blow up uh, between uh, Tibbs and a player, some, some along those lines, right. um, that, that Tibbs will get rewarded with an extension following this season. Um, but again, something we've talked about, and I think it's really important to, to hammer home, um, and we just talked about Leon Rose for, for 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. The Leon Rose is savvy. He's been around this business of basketball, not just the NBA, the business of basketball for a very long time. Um, and he understands the high stakes. You know, they have a good relationship, but it's again, business, you know, show business, not friend business. Um, he understands that if things go sideways this season, Randall gets hurt. They don't have a backup power forward. Why didn't you sign a backup power forward, uh, Leon Rose? Tibbs, why did you play him 39 minutes a night for, you know, since the moment you arrived? You know, <laughs> this guy's going to take the blame. Um, you know, IQ was unhappy about his contract situation. He's pressing because he didn't sign an extension. Right. RJ Barrett shoots 31% from three-point territory. There is a scenario in which we live that, that you know, the, the, on the outlier of outcomes where the Knicks finish, you know, around 500, below 500. Again, this is there, you know, we've talked about it past. 21 22 they won you know four seed home court event home court advantage uh you know eventually lost the hawks but everyone assumed okay this is the start of a thing there's a lot of reasons that's the team's far better now more well balanced etc pointed just the reality is there's no guarantees east is going to be right. better the rest of the NBA is going to be better um should that things not work out um as 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 the team the players everyone hopes there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a call for blood. Somebody's going to have to get thrown overboard. And Leon Rose is acutely aware um, that if he throws Tibbs overboard, that keeps his head off the chopping block for at least a year, or at least a season, at least a month, at least a week, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, he can go into Dolan's office and say, hey, um, we're really close. I'm going to get you that superstar. I promise. We just needed a new voice. Um, once we bring in, uh, Dan, you know, whoever, whatever the coach is, I have ultimate faith and this coach is going to turn everything right, around yeah. get the best out of Brunson, you know, get the best out of Randall and get everybody on the same page. Um, Tibbs is too much of a hard, you know, a tough guy, yada, yada, yada. So that, why, that is the reason why I think, and Dolan's obviously more likely to agree with Rose and accept the, you know, the, the, the decision that Rose has made to fire Tibbs if he doesn't owe Tibbs three, four, five years worth of contract money. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think to me, I'm a little surprised only in that this has been a front office and an ownership that loves to tout their wins, even if they're not really wins. Um, I feel like I would see them wanting to kind of give Tibbs extension to kind of look at them and say, hey, look, we two out of three years in the playoffs. We've been highly successful. Um, you know, fans are happy. And now we've extended the coach just like they, you know, really championed the R.J. Barrett extension. 
uh, last year, the way they championed the Julius Randle extension the year before that. Um, I would argue the way they championed picking up Tibbs' fifth option, fifth year option after his first year, which is still mind boggling to me that that was done. I thought that was a horrendous move. Still think it was a horrendous right. move, but that's another story. Like they, they love to tout their wins, and like for a team that hates the media, they also kind of like to manipulate the media. So I'm a little surprised I didn't extend Tibbs, especially because one of the reasons why apparently he stayed last year and survived that terrible season in 2022 was that he quote unquote takes the bullets in the press conferences. Like he right. sits there and answers these questions. Cause like you mentioned by the CBA, he has no choice. Like they value those kind of things. So I'm a little surprised they haven't been you know, more proactive. I mean, again, vaguely saying uh, I wouldn't be surprised. If the Knicks at least looked into the topic. I mean, that's not necessarily all that enthusiastic about the Knicks saying that this is someone they want to keep in tow for a long time. Now, even in, in that uh, mailbag also mentioned that it's important to note, that Tibbs' five-year deal that now is five years because of the option that's picked up coincides with both Leon Rose's contract, which is five years, and Worldwide West's contract that's five years. So that creates also another wrinkle. So it's like, how long do Leon and Wes see themselves doing this? Are they going to be doing this beyond that five years? If they are, do they see Tibbs being part of that equation? Um, do they want to get their extensions before they talk to Tibbs about an extension? Does Tibbs want them to get extended maybe before he takes an extension? Like there's a lot of different factors that, that go in to it. I know one thing. I think Knicks would be highly foolish to extend Tom Thibodeau before this season. Highly foolish. Because I think we saw in the playoffs this past season that Tibbs can get exposed when he's up against elite level coaching. Well, we saw two years ago. It didn't have to be elite level. I wouldn't call Nate Millen an elite level coaching. He got badly outcoached by him. But when, when you see these matchups and the rubber really meets the road when it comes to true, you know, decision making and true adjustments from game to game, that sometimes Tibbs is too slow to make the proper adjustments. And we saw that against Miami. We saw that two years, two years ago against Atlanta. And at, the, at this point in time, the Knicks are in that we're trying to get past perennial playoff team to championship contender level. If you're trying to get that championship contender level, you have to ask yourself a serious question. Do you trust Tom Thibodeau to make the right adjustments game in and game out in the biggest, most important games in the postseason for you to get to that promised land? I don't know how that answer is yes, given what you've seen from him in those moments. If it is, God bless you, I don't see it. So he'd have to show me this year some market improvement in that regard. The Knicks may lose in the second round again, but maybe he say, okay, they fought hard, Tibbs made good adjustments, they got beat by a better team, whether Boston was better, Milwaukee was better, Philly was better. You can maybe live with that. But we have another series where we're looking at this saying, what was with this rotation? Why is this guy playing this many minutes? Why is it Obi playing more? Like these questions can't be being asked again in another postseason for Tom Thibodeau if he's going to get an extension. Yeah, and I think the the value of Thibodeau was bringing a kind of a way you know a franchise kind of teetering on the you know on the fringes of respectability that yep. you know kind of lost its way, bringing a drill sergeant. Get everybody on the same page, you know, that the inmates running the asylum type of thing where say, listen, we're not going to do this. You know, we're, we're going to focus on solely winning. We're going to work our tails off. And he's great at squeezing the last two percent out of, you know, every player and, and maximizing their production on the floor night in, night out. Um, but the downside to that is, and the downside to having the, you know, the reason why there's a good cop and a bad cop, the reason why, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you, you ideally want to balance a, a strict parent with a parent that's a little more, give you a little more leeway, um, is because there's a burnout factor. There's a time and a point in all sports where you start to tune out the coach. 
um, unless you have amazing success. You know, Belichick got away with it, um, you know, because he kept winning. Did that have a lot to do with Tom Brady, you know? Yeah, because Tom Brady helped with that too. (laughs) But, you know, Bill Parcells would win for a little while, go on to the next thing. Win for a little while here, go on to the next thing. Tibbs. The Bulls were, you know, were wallowing in post-Jordan, you know, demise. He comes in, gets them back on track, a respectable team. The Wolves hadn't won a playoff game in for however long, finally got them back to the playoffs, but then they burned everything out. And, you know, could we be trending that way with the Knicks? My, my, My answer would be not necessarily if Tibbs is willing to adjust his approach, which means not over, you know, not playing these guys 39 minutes a night. The the key of the, you know, I I think an important, you know, point looking forward is not just in-game adjustments, but the ability to look towards, you know, beyond the Tuesday night in in January, important, making it the most important thing on earth. Um, You know, Steve Kerr and and all these other guys, uh, you know, the, the top, echelon coaches we saw how how kind of lax i don't want to say spolstra let the team slack off during the year but he obviously didn't make it an important um you know pop you know preaches against game management now but he introduced the 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 entire theory of it um to rest duncan and parker and manu and those guys so um you know we'll we'll see if if tibbs i think tibbs needs to do a little bit more of that um in order to kind of he doesn't need there's a chance of these guys burning out if he keeps his foot on the gas 365 days a year, um, you know, every day for, for years and years and years. And look, I mean, I'm not going to be saying they're not going to be teams with guys that are disgruntled, but I mean, right. we t- you already Ian said it on the show. We just did. I mean, they, that OB top and frustration was not cosmetic. It was real. Um, we know what Fournier is dealing with right now, even though I would argue it's really his own damn fault that he's that frustrated, but whatever. Uh, Cam Reddish, uh, Kemba Walker. I mean, there, these are guys like you mentioned in one of the episodes you just did, where it's like, you know, maybe you having one guy each year is fine, you don't want to have multiple guys, but right. at a certain point, like, you do get nervous about, you know, is he riding these guys enough and is he being, you know, we know Tibbs a certain kind of way, and does that wear on guys, especially if they're not getting the kind of playing time, they're not getting uh, what they want. That, that, that's what scares me. Because I think the Knicks are in this weird position where we don't want to have like a, a you know a year. I don't know if we'll ever have a year like 2022, given barring injury. Injuries can of course change anything. Do I see the Knicks not even being close to making the playoffs one of these years? You know, I don't see that. Could I see them falling playing? That could happen. Yep. But like, like we don't want to see that that downside. We don't want to see them take a step back because they've right. kind of decided no, we're we're turning off this coach because you don't have time. Jalen Brunson. He's on the best deal in the NBA right now. If you don't maximize these years, whether it's competing for a championship or at the very least building yourself towards getting to that next step of competing for a championship, then you're wasting time because he's going to get a max contract, a super big deal once this yep. is done. So they have to maximize the time as much as they can. They cannot waste time. They cannot waste years. And what we've seen from Tom Taylor teams is they start off really well in his tenures, and then the team just – forgets about it. They just decide they're not going to play hard anymore. And we can't have that this year. We can't have that next year. So that would be the concern I have. If you extend to that guys start rolling their eyes, say, oh, God, here we go. We got four more years of, you know, him doing two-hour practices after tough games. You know, I don't, they might not want to deal with that stuff anymore. So that would yeah. be my concern. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And the value with Tibbs, uh, real quick, is, you know, again, you know, getting the franchise back on the, you know, the, the straight and narrow and, you know, the clown show and the, and the, and the yeah. circus that, that the Knicks have become. Now you have Tibbs. But now with Brunson and Hart and, and DiVincenzo, you have that kind of core, that, that leadership on the field. Um, it may lend itself more to having the Joe Torre type as opposed right. to a disciplinarian. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it how it plays itself out. But, yeah, I would be, um, you know, if, you know, if we're talking about training for superstars too, how would Luka Doncic uh, mesh with, uh, you know, I mean, how, we, how would Embiid mesh with, uh, you know. We did the poll. We did the poll from the Athletic during the playoffs. The tip is the least most desirable coach to play for in the NBA. I mean, I'm not saying these guys won't come here because right. he's the coach. But how long does he last when those guys get here? That's like, does this become like Kenny? Kenny Axum was a coach yeah. people love to play for, yeah. and stars yeah. came here and said, "Get this guy out of here." You think Kevin Durant the Rander type was going to want to listen to Tom Thibodeau? If Luca comes here, then Luca, then it's Luca's team and his franchise. Right. He decides. If Giannis comes here, Giannis comes and he gets to pick the coach, and the right. same way that all these other that that's just the reality of the of the situation. Yeah. So the Tibbs contract situation continues to be something to look at i think is one of the more underrated storylines heading into the season but lastly as we get out of here real quick um there's a big shift in the Atlanta division maybe not shift but a big development so you got uh, Jalen brown officially signing his 303 million dollar contract he is now the highest paid player in nba history um so brown had one of his best years maybe the best year of his career average 26 points a game 49 percent shooting those are both career highs the move again solidifies the Celtics moving forward with the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown tandem for the foreseeable future Tatum by the way he's due for an extension next year that could be worth 338 million dollars so uh hello uh second apron Boston Celtics it seems like that's where you're gonna be headed very soon so quickly do you think the Celtics uh will regret this Brown contract yeah so a couple things real quick it's important to note that when we talk about contracts, the number's insane, $300 million. Like yes. yes. Um, and it's, you know, you'll see tweets. It's more than Larry Bird and Michael Jordan made in their careers combined yeah. and all those other things. It's, again, it's important to note inflation, all this other stuff. But yeah. more importantly, you got to concern yourself with the percentage of the cap. Um, so, you right. know, Jalen Brown's the highest paid player in the NBA history today, just like Mike Connolly was how many ever years ago, you know, just like Justin Herbert is like, what is he? The second one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL today. It, you know? it, exactly. Uh, Mahomes is, I think is fourth or fifth on the list, right. you, know? you know, and, and, and then when, you know, uh, uh, Joe Burrow was waiting to see what Herbert got and now Burrow will come in on top of that. Right. Um, the same way, um, the NBA is a little different because it's kind of structured super max style, um, you know, percentages of cap again, 35%. All that being said, I understand where the where the Celtics are coming from. I just don't know if um, 
even considering that it's the, the cap is going to rise, they have the influx of TV money, et cetera. I just don't know. Again, Jalen Brown's not going to be the highest paid player a year from now. And he's, but he's still going to be top 10 ish, top eight, you know, right. top 12, uh, you know, a few years. I don't think he's that caliber of player. Um, so I, w- I was a little bit surprised. I'll admit that the Celtics didn't push back a little bit and said, we'll give you a, you know, 31% of the cap, 29% of the cap. Start at 29, raise the 33. So it comes in at like 285 or, you know, 274 or something along those lines. Um, but it's pretty pretty clear um, Brown was, you know, max me or trade me. Um, and so from that scenario, I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that the Celtics um, did the right thing. Just for this sole reason, it's better to have a player and be able to trade him than to lose him, you know, via free agency for nothing when he could have become an unrestricted free agent. Again, we all knew the Bradley Beal contract was was I don't I want to say awful, but was a overpay when the it's Wizards bad, it's bad for the Wizards, right? It was bad for the Wizards this time sure. last year. Yeah. But what what worked out better? They stay ended up getting that 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 trade looks a little better now. They have a ton of second rounders that they can combine into first and pick swaps. Um, whereas if they would have just let him walk and not sign that bad contract, they would have got nothing for it. So I, I think that's what happens with Jalen Brown um, mm. is he gets traded within a few years. I don't think those two guys' complementary skill sets are going to you know mesh and, and win a championship long term. They were just two wins away from a title, he, and, and Brown played great in the finals uh, against Golden State. Um, but whether it's a trade for a point guard, does Dame Lillard, you know, a younger version of Dame Lillard for Brown, I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, you know, something along those lines, um, and, and I think that's kind of the way it shapes out. But they keep him in-house now and then kind of worry about the rest later. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, those guys on the same team. To me, those things have, the guys have four things in common. Those are guys. Westbrook was a superstar, but then quickly declined. They became non-superstars on Supermax deals. Yep. And what we've seen is that those guys, and Bradley Beal, that was the other guy. Those guys are extremely hard to trade, extremely hard to move, and get considerable value for them. I am of the belief that I don't think I'd ever give out a Supermax deal for a guy that's a non-superstar. I just think that we've seen that it's too hard to get off those contracts and get comparable value. I think if I was a a worse team, I'd maybe more inclined to do it. If I was a good team, that would concern me because if I'm a team that's actually trying to win a championship and I I decide I do need to move off of Jalen Brown, I I need to have equal value. I I don't want to trade for less for a team that's trying to win next year. So – all that being said, I, I think they will regret this. I, I, I think that Jalen Brown is a really good player. He's a two-way player. I don't think that he complements that greatly with Jason Tatum when they don't have a point guard still. Like, I think they keep doing all these other moves, re-signing Jalen Brown, signing Kristaps Porzingis. Who is the floor general? I'm still asking that question in Boston. Like, And, and don't give me Derek White. Derek White's a good scoring point guard. He's a good lead guard. But he's not a floor general. I think Brodden could do that role if he's healthy. The guy's never healthy. So don't give me him either. Like, that has been the thing that's been missing in Boston since Rajon Rondo left, quite frankly. And all these other moves that we're seeing, I'm like, that team continues to struggle with closing games and figuring out how to get late offense that doesn't involve just one of those two guys just trying to dribble against five guys. Brown having a little bit of trouble with that because he doesn't have the greatest handle. And, And the team falling apart in those moments. So... Uh, to me, without that subsequent move that I think elevates the ceiling for a Tatum Brown tandem working, I don't love this because I don't know what you could get for Jalen Brown on the trade market with him due to make $60 million next year. Like, I, like 
I think this year, I think you could have traded for him and got maybe more. Now, I don't know what, what the offers were, so maybe I'm just dead wrong on that. But I, I was clamoring for a Brown for Trey Young swap. I thought it would have worked well for both teams. Don't know if either team would have been interested. But the fact that that didn't happen, you know, now here we are. So I think we'll see what happens. And we know that second apron, you have a very, very stringent, um, you know, tight kind of restrictions that you kind of have to work through. So if they sign Tatum to another big deal, considering the other guys got in their team, it will be interesting to see how they fill out their roster. Yeah, I mean, the, the second apron thing is, is is fascinating. And just the last thing I'd say is that with Brown, if you're going to trade him, you got to understand that he's going to – the team trading for him is going to understand his agent's going to tell whoever – he's signing a max deal. So don't trade for him unless you want to get a max deal. So now you got to find right. a team to pay him that max money and then give up assets. But then know. if he's not – if he's not – but if, when you trade him, though, he can't get this. He can't get this 303, you know, because it's got to be on the team Fair. that you were on. So. Fair. There's that at least. Now you, you still got even two fifty. You still give him a lot, right, right, but right, it's, right. it's not three hundred. You know, yeah, <laughs> so that yeah, so yeah. and that's why I think Jalen Brown, you know, really wanted to sign because I think he knew this is where this is why the league put this in here. They didn't like yep. these guys leaving. They wanted uh, an incentive for these yep. guys to stay, and they thought this would work. Now what we've seen is guys sign this and say, "All right, trade me next year." So yes, I don't know yes. if that's going to happen in this situation, but 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 that is why this is here. So shout out to Jalen Brown. I thought that his comments about wanting to build a black uh, yes. wall street in Boston was awesome. I've criticized Jalen Brown for some of the other, other non-basketball stuff he said, but I think a lot of stuff he said yesterday was awesome. So I want to make sure I, I give him his flowers to that. Of course, it's a Knicks podcast. So I'm not rooting for them to do well, but I'm rooting for them to do well when it comes to uh, helping uh, wage, you know, bridge the wage uh, inequity in Boston, of course, in the country as a whole. So shout out to Jalen Brown. Congrats on the new contract. That'll do it for this edition of uh, orange and blue bloods. Again, this is a, a New York podcast, New York Knicks podcast, an Odyssey WFN original. It's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time they drop. Also, check us out on YouTube. This will be up there as well. Um, you can find us on the WFN channel there. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Threads, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you guys. Peace.